1: When it's the law, when I'm just up here preaching and all you hear is preaching, all you hear is, yeah, I need to do that and I need to do that. Yeah. And I messed up here and I, yeah, yeah, but, you, but then you're trying to follow law and the motivation is law. And if the motivation is law, you'll never really change. You might change a little bit outwardly, but it won't last. It won't last. Why?
0: Because the problem is on the inside. The grace of God. That's what we need. God has given you the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you, but also to convict you. When you're living in such a way that displeases the Lord, He'll let you know. It might just be a little tug at your heart, or it may be a full-blown slap in the face, but one way or another, God will reveal His will to you. Join Pastor Danny today as he reminds you that God's grace is what will change you. It's not the law or other people advising you. Change begins in your heart and is between you and God. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 11 as he continues his message, A Witness for Christ in a Wicked World.
1: What we believe, how we live, and by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's my intention to get through two today, and let's talk about the third next week. What we believe. Do I believe that this book is the word of God? And if I believe this book is the word of God, then this is the manual for life. This book is a book of truth. And one of the things I'm called to do is proclaim truth in this world because there's a lot of non-truth in this world. So I'm called to proclaim truth. So when I, when I read things in here um, about how to live, about how to have a relationship with a wife, about how God's ordered the family, Uh, about the workplace and my responsibility and how I'm to be in the workplace and all those things. See, that's truth. That's doctrine. That's sound doctrine. And I have to, if I'm going to be a witness, I have to look to this book for how to live. And and going back to the courage thing, once I once I find truth in this book, to be unashamed of it and to be able to share it with the world, that maybe doesn't want to hear the truth. I mean, my goodness, we could talk about all kinds of things. Uh, one of the things we're losing in our culture is the distinction between male and female. And we're losing with the distinction, lack of distinction between male and female, uh, the lack of the order of the family. Uh, so many places today, even in the church, they don't want to hear uh, wives submit to your husband's absence to the Lord. They go, that's old-fashioned, man. No, that's biblical. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Now, see, sin has caused all kinds of problems. And the first place it caused the problems in the home. God's intention before sin... Was for the husband to be the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. But in a sinless environment, that's a very good thing. You see? He's, he's, he's the one to protect and provide for her. He's the one to love and cherish her. And as soon as sin comes into the world, all you gotta do is go back and read Genesis. And it's always, it's always fresh to me. Every time you read that story, here's Adam and Eve and they're, they're running around naked in paradise and it's okay. Because there's no sin. And they got clear consciences. And as soon as, they, as soon as they disobey God, as soon as they disobey God, the marriage takes up, turns south. And God comes and he says, what is this you have done, Adam? And Adam has that, that answer that's still trying to be used today. The woman you gave me, it's her fault. If you'd have given me a different woman, this would have never happened. He gave me the wrong one. Make me a new one. <laughs> and he comes to Eve and watches you have done well. The devil, you see, he made me do it. Oh, no, he didn't. He deceived you. But hey. And you go, you read the story and it says Adam was with Eve when she sinned. So why didn't Adam say, what in the world are you doing? Why didn't he take a leadership role? Why didn't he say, hey, don't do that? So things are messed up because of sin. But if I believe this book has the answer, has the answer, then I have to look at the truth of this book and I go, okay, if I really want my marriage to be what it's intended to be, I need to look at this book. But now to speak that in the world, I I believe that the husband is to be the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. I believe wives are to be submissive to their husbands as unto the Lord. And in a sin context, that's a bad thing because the man domineers. And what was it after Adam and Eve sinned? The prophecy because of sin. Now, Eve, your desire will be for your husband. What does that mean? I'll tell you exactly what it means. It doesn't mean your desire will be for his love and affection. No. That was always God's intention. Your desire will be to act independently of your husband. That's what got you in trouble in the first place. You listened to the devil. You, you got out of line, right? You got out of the protection of the leadership that God intended. You made an independent decision. And Adam's wrong too, but Eve's wrong as well. Your desire will be for your husband. And he will rule over you. That's a negative thing. God's intention was to be the head, but not to be a ruler. Get my shoes. Give me some grapes. I want to watch the game. But That's what it is. That's what happens. And women feel like domineered over because of the sin in the man that he needs to get right with God and allow Christ to be formed in him. So that the marriage can... Be what God intended. It's not going to be perfect, but it can be. Holy matrimony. It can be blessed. And then when he's like a bonehead and Christ gets on him and he gets right, you know, and then, and then she, you know, acts independently. and you, you, But you keep coming back. You come back to the truth. And this is what the world needs. And this is what we need. And sometimes the witness is just not there because we haven't come back to the foundation. I mean, one of the prophecies of the end times, which we're living in, and we're moving toward the time of the great tribulation. One of the prophecies is Malachi chapter 4, the last book of the Old Testament. Let me read you this prophecy, which is reiterated in the New Testament beginning with the ministry of Jesus Christ. In Malachi, last chapter, chapter 4, last two verses, verse 5, see, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. You ever read that and wonder, why didn't they say anything about the mothers? Why doesn't it say anything about the mothers? Because when true revival comes, it starts with the father because he's called to be the leader. Now we're talking turkey. You know one of the things lacking in the church of Jesus Christ is godly fathers. you know why there's so much divorce in the church? It's because men Need to get right with God. Yes, women need to get right with God. But if we had men of God who were living the kind of lives that they love their wives and they love their children and they live holy lives, the divorce rate in the church would change dramatically. Dramatically. We need men. To get right with God. I'm not talking about some half-hearted, wishy-washy, oh, I go to church regularly. Well, what in the world does that mean? It means nothing. Not only does it mean nothing to heaven, it means nothing to the world. It means nothing to the world. How often we attend church means nothing to us. As a matter of fact, if we're attending church often, 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 and they don't see a difference in our lives, it's actually reason to blaspheme God. And you go, look at there, a bunch of hypocrites in the church. And there's no witness. There's no witness. And when the witness begins, it begins in the home. Titus chapter 1, it's interesting that we were in Titus during the youth camp, and that's not why I go there. But Titus was sent by the Apostle Paul and left in Crete. It's an island off the coast of Israel. And I don't have time to really give you all the background, but it was a godless place, godless place. But the gospel invaded the island through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, and a church was birthed. And in chapter 1, Paul tells Titus, you've got to finish some things that were left undone, and one is the appointing of elders And elders are meant to be examples, examples. They are men, men of God, called to be examples. Peter writes in 1 Peter, and he encourages the elders in the church to be examples to the flock. And then you get to Titus chapter 2, and let me just read you this section. Uh, You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the book. Teach the truth. Teach the older man to be temperate. Worthy of respect, self-control, sound in faith and love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers. Ladies, I hope you take this in a positive light. You've been given the gift of gab. Don't gab gossip. Gab godly. Or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women. They can train the younger women. And one of the ways you train them is just by living before them, just by being an example. To love their husbands and children, to be self controlled and pure. That means you're not sleeping with somebody that's not your biblical spouse. To be busy at home. Doesn't mean you can't have a job outside of the home, but your priority is the home. To be kind. To be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. No one will blaspheme God and say, well, you don't really live what you believe. Similarly, encourage the young men. Is it possible for young men in a godless culture to live for Christ? Absolutely. Encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. To set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters. This is the workplace. To be subject to their masters in everything. To try to please them. Not to talk back to them and not to steal from them. But to show that they can be fully trusted. Now, I want to put this next statement in the context of everything I just read. So that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. So that in every way they'll make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Jesus said, "You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world." But if the salt is lost its saltiness, what's it good for? That's what he said. Just taking it, thrown out. So much, so much to say in this chapter. But verse eleven: For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that jumped out at me in that section, in every section, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's a younger person, whether it's an older person, whether it's male or it's female, in every section, every section, it says we're to live self-controlled lives. You know what's prophesied in 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul said, it's prophesied that in the latter days men will be without self-control. That's why there's so much addiction to pornography. I know the culture, I know the culture aids it. I understand that. But you can, you can have victory over it. Otherwise, what in the world are we doing believing this stuff? You can have victory over it. There wouldn't be so much alcoholism and drug addiction in the church. If we live self-controlled lives, self-control, self-control, how do we become godly? And I'm going to give you in the last just few minutes where the rubber really meets the road. And it springs board, springboards from Titus chapter 1, and it's just one verse. And here's what it says, verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and don't believe, nothing is pure. In fact, their minds and consciences are corrupted. To the pure, all things are pure. It's interesting, verse 10 of chapter 1 of Titus, there are many rebellious people, mere talkers. They don't live what they say. And deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. Well, now, what's the circumcision group? Well, they're the guys with the tremendous biblical background They've got a religious background, but but, uh, they're the ones that just follow the rules. And that's what Jesus blasted the Pharisees about. He said, on the outside, you clean a cup on the outside, but your problem's on the inside. And here's where the rubber meets the road. You see, I could, I could stand up here and I could shout and I could preach and I could yell at you and say, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And you're not loving your wife as Christ loved the church. And women, wives, submit to your husbands after the Lord. And I could preach it and I could give you hell, man. <laughs> I mean heaven. I could give you heaven and hell if you need it. But no amount of preaching make the difference. You know what we need? Malachi, Titus, the prophet Elijah, the spirit of Elijah, he will come, he will proclaim in the spirit of God, man's heart will be allowed to be changed. He will finally repent and his heart will be changed. And when his heart is changed, we'll have dads beginning to live lives that are worthy of respect. They're not just attending church because their children know if they're just church attenders. Their children know what they're really like. My children know who I really am. If you want to know who I really am, just ask my kids. They'll tell you who I was when I had a love affair with beer and wine for years. I had the same love affair with beer and wine that I had with pot when I was a drug addict before coming to know Christ. Let me give you a little tidbit. Let me give you a little tidbit. Maybe you don't know this. Or maybe you need to be reminded of it. Any sin you committed before you gave your life to Christ, you can commit after you give your life to Christ except one. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You've already given your life to Christ. Holy Spirit lives in you. You've been born again. But any other sin, any other sin, you can commit after coming to know Christ. You can go backwards just like you were. You'll look, you look no different except that there's something on the inside that's different. And yet, the Spirit, the Spirit is trying to get through. The Spirit is trying to get through. in you. And, and, and depending on how long you've been going away and how long you let your heart get hard, how callous it's become, it's it, more of a challenge for the Holy Spirit to get through. And if it's callous, sometimes he's, he's got the thing in there, but you're just going, I'm, you're not sensitive anymore. And and if you're not sensitive anymore, I, I, look, I'm just a human being. But if there's if there's some sensitivity there to the Holy Spirit, to the pure, all things are pure. What does that mean, practically speaking? When your heart is changed. I knew the truth when I was, you know, when I hit the wall in ministry and I was I was going and I still I still wanted to please the Lord. But you know, I was going and sipping on the beer, you know, and the wine. And I'm like, well, that helps a little bit, which it really didn't, really didn't. It's like my my uncle said, that helped disciple me, it was a crutch. It was a crutch. It was a crutch. You know how I got free from that love affair? (laughs) I let Jesus change my heart again. The same way he changed my heart when I accepted him as Lord and Savior. Just as you received Christ Jesus, so be built up in him. Let me me bring it even more to a point and then we'll bring it to a close. You read in Titus chapter two, again, verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. The grace of God. It doesn't say the law of God. You know what happens when it's the law? When I'm just up here preaching and all you hear is preaching, all you hear is, yeah, I need to do that, and I need to do that, yeah, and I messed up here, and I, yeah, yeah. But, but then you're trying to follow law, and the motivation is law. And if the motivation is law, you'll never really change. You might change a little bit outwardly, but it won't last. It won't last. Why? Because the problem is on the inside the grace of God. That's what we need. I'll give you two illustrations. John chapter 8, woman caught in adultery. Religious leaders bring her to Jesus. We caught this woman in adultery. The, the law of Moses says she should be stoned. What do you say? Well, the first thing I would have said is, where's the man? You talk about hypocrisy. And Jesus won't answer him. He turns and writes on the ground. And finally, finally, he says, okay, whoever's without sin cast the first stone. And it says they began to go away from the oldest first to the youngest because the oldest had more history of sin. From the oldest to the youngest, they began to go away. Then he turns to the woman. He turns to the woman, Where are your accusers? And I'm sure she wipes the tears away. She looks, there's nobody there but her and Jesus. And Jesus says these words to her Go, where are your accusers? They're gone. Neither do I condemn you you know what that's called mercy and grace 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 she didn't deserve it she did deserve to be stoned but so did the guy she was with and he showers her with grace and he says now go leave your life of sin now what's her motive it's not law now her motive is love Love for Jesus because of what he has done for her. Second illustration, we close. Dad was trying to get his son to uh, be responsible, and he felt that one of the responsibilities his son would have in having use of the car from time to time was to make sure that every Saturday he washed the car. But the dad had the hardest time. And the son just, he'd do everything else but wash the car. And dad's always having to get away. Go wash the car. He didn't wash the car. Again, this Saturday, he didn't wash the car. And all of a sudden, there, one Saturday, there was this dramatic change. And it's first thing in the morning, the dad hears some commotion outside. He looks out the window, and he sees the son out there, and he's washing the car. And he washes this car better than he's ever washed it before. He washes it. He vacuums it. He armor-alls it. He does the spray stuff on the tires. I mean, the dad's going, what in the world happened? And lo and behold, the dad finds out what happened to his son. Is that his son fell in love. And now the motive is totally different. The motive is not, you got to wash the car. The motive is, I get to go be with her. (laughs) And I want to make sure the car is just right.
0: As you continue to study the book of Revelation, you'll see destruction and death, but also the incredible future that awaits you if you're a follower of Jesus. The pictures painted of the throne room of heaven are inspiring and exciting, and you'll one day get to stand where John stood. You'll meet the Lamb of God, who took away your sins. You'll rejoice with the angels and spend eternity getting to know your Creator as He always intended, in perfect love. This is something to cling to as you move through the difficulties of life. And we hope it spurs you on to share the incredible truth of salvation with everyone you meet. Thanks for tuning in today for The Living Word. We'd like to tell you how you can access more teachings from Pastor Danny. All you need to do is visit our website, church. Click on sermons to be directed to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you'll never miss a new edition of The Living Word. Are you listening in the St. Petersburg area right now? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on The Living Word.